tears of strain in his eyes. He groaned, lifted again, a sudden jerk that took the cartwheel high. We gasped. We backed away. He leaned his head back and rested the wheel on his brow so that it stood above him with the sun and the bridge caught in its ring. He shuffled on the cobbles, balancing himself with his elbows wide and his hands gripping the rim of steel. He grunted and hissed, and he lifted the whole cartwheel free and let it fall with a crash, and the whole earth seemed to shake. He glared at us. He blinked, wiped his tears away. See? See what a man can do? I reached behind me, but Mum's hand wasn't there. I looked back through the crowd and saw her, and she smiled and held up her hand, telling me to stay there. What next? said McNulty. The fire? Or the chains? Or the— He fell silent as his eye met mine again. He leaned close. Help me, Bonnie, he whispered. He reached for my hand. I turned to Mum. She waved again and smiled, as if to tell me everything was fine. She was still there, there was nothing to fear. He cupped my shoulder and drew me to him. Dozens of eyes watched. This is my assistant, he said. His name is... I couldn't speak. He leaned close. He cupped his hand across his mouth, whispered into my ear. His name is... R robert I stammered. R-Robert, he announced. He crouched in front of me. His skin glistened. I caught the smoky, sweaty scent of him. I caught the sour smell of the river flowing darkly nearby. I looked into the black center of his eyes. There is a box here, Bonnie, he told me. He slid a casket to my feet. Open it, he said. I did nothing. Open it, Bobby, he whispered. With trembling fingers I opened it. Inside were needles and pins and fishhooks and skewers and knives and scissors, some of them all rusted, some of them all bright. Take out something awful, he said. Take out the thing that you think should make the most pain. I stared into his eyes, so deep and dark. Do it, Bobby, he said. I took out a silver skewer as long as my forearm. It had a Saracen's head as a handle. The point was needle-sharp. He shuddered. Well chosen, Bobby. He stood up. He held the skewer between his index fingers for the crowd to see. Who would dare? He said. Bobby. I looked up at him. Bobby, pass the sack to them. Tell them to put their coins in it. Tell them they'll not see Nalt until they pay. I just wanted to escape, but the bodies were packed before me. The faces were all smiles. Ma'am had her hand across her mouth. She widened her eyes. She raised her shoulders. She tried to go on smiling. Do it, Bobby, he said. Do the boogers think a man like me can live on fresh air? Pay, tell them. Get your money out and pay. I weakly pushed the sack into the crowd. McNulty barked his demands. Ma'am leaned far toward me, dropped three coins in. I wanted to reach out to her, grab her hand, get her to pull me away. Then McNulty snapped. Enough, Bobby. They're tight-fisted crooks and they won't give us what we need, but to hell with them. Let's give them something to infect their waking and fire their dreams. I turned to him. He touched my cheek. He drew me to his side. He spoke to me as if no one else existed, as if there were just the two of us there beside the river on that brightening autumn day. Help me, son, he said. 
He stood stock still. He lowered his head, closed his eyes. He breathed deeply. He muttered incomprehensible words. He raised his head, opened his eyes. He held the point of the skewer against his cheek. He looked blankly at the crowd. Bobby, he said, touch me if I cry out. Catch me if I fall. My heart began to race. I could hardly catch my breath. He held the Saracen's head and pushed. The point of the skewer entered his cheek. He blinked and sighed. He pushed again. The skewer slid further in. A tiny trickle of blood fell down his cheek. He smiled at nothing, at no one. Many in the crowd recoiled in fear and disgust. The skewer slid further. Soon it pressed against the inside of his other cheek. He kept pushing and the point broke through and another tiny trickle of blood fell from his other cheek. Now he held the skewer still, one fingertip resting on the Saracen's head, the other on the needle point. He grinned out at the crowd. He opened his mouth, slowly turned his head from side to side, and everyone leaned close to see the metal stretched between his teeth across his throat. There were giggles and groans, yelps of disgust. He crouched before me again, as if to show me, just me. Then he pulled the Saracen's head and slowly drew the skewer out. He licked his lips, brushed his bloody cheeks with the back of his hand. He wiped the skewer on his forearm and passed it to me. Back in its box, Bobby, he said. I put it back into its box. I closed the lid. I shuddered. I could hardly breathe. I started to shuffle away. Don't leave me, Bobby, he said. I shook my head, backed away. I twisted my head. Ma'am reached out to me, beckoned me to her. At least don't go without your pay, he said. He drew me back to him. Thank you, he said. He pressed a silver coin onto my palm. We'll maybe meet again, he said, and a tiny splash of blood fell from his lips across our joined hands. Then he let me go, and the crowd parted, and let me get through to my ma'am, while behind me MacNulty already snarled and snapped again. What's next, the fire? No, we're not ready for the fire and the madness of the fire. The chains, get your money out and pay. You'll not see nout till you pay. 2. We twisted and turned through the crowds between the stalls. Mam picked up trinkets and scarves and dropped them back again. It's all rubbish, she whispered, rubbish and tat. She took out a white shirt from its cellophane and held it against me. She smiled with delight. You'll look so grand, she said. She tugged at the seams. She held the shirt up to the sun. She twisted her face and pondered, then passed a couple of pounds over. She laughed. It'll shrink. I know it, but you'll look great. You'll be the proper little man. We ate hot beef sandwiches, smeared them with sauce and mustard, licked the juices that ran down our chins and across our fingers. We drank bittersweet sarsaparilla from a health stall. Then we moved away from the stalls and walked right by the water's edge. It flowed ten feet below us. Seagulls hovered over the water and swooped for the scraps thrown by a bunch of children. The tide was turning and the center was all eddies and swirls and agitation. Mum kept laughing, holding her face up to the sun. I told your dad the day would brighten, she said. He's an old misery, all that autumn and winter nonsense. And she took my hand and hurried me forward. Come on, she said. 
let's ride a lift up to the sky. The lift was inside the stone column of the bridge. We stood in the shade of the bridge's great steel arch. I spread my hands across its huge rivets. Traffic roared high above us. Nearby, a herring gull ripped at something bloody in the brown paper sack. A river bell rang. A distant ship hooted. When the lift came down, there was a little man inside sitting on a stool. Come in, madam, he called. And you, young sir. He pressed his buttons and pulled his levers. I saw how he couldn't keep his eyes off her as we shuddered up toward the sky. On a shelf at his side were a thermos flask, a sandwich box, and a notebook and a pen. He saw me looking. I keep a note of everyone, he said. His eyes sparkled. All my customers, just for memory's sake. I wanted to reach out, lift the book, look inside, and he knew it. Ah, to you it'd be simply boring, he said. It's nothing but dates and descriptions and weather reports, he shrugged. I must do something to fill my days of rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall. He took the coin she handed him and opened the door with a flourish. Here we are, then. Farewell, madam. Farewell, young sir. We stepped out onto the platform of the bridge. As the doors closed, he was already writing. Beautiful, bright lady, I heard him say, all dressed in red, her quiet boy, September 2nd, 1962, sunshine after rain. The lift door closed. Buses and trucks and cars trundled past us. There was a stink of exhaust smoke. Mam stood at the parapet and stared down toward the river and the market. I crouched beside her and looked through the metal palings. The river swirled. Seagulls flew below us. Down at the market's edge, we saw the crowd around.